Hey helpers, this is Being the Work, where a couple of therapists and longtime friends are asking ourselves and you tough questions about our lives in the work. I'm Blakely Adams. And I'm Ben Wire. Every Monday, we're taking you along a journey with us into the taboo, absurd, and sometimes just plain agonizing moments of life as a human and a helper. All right. Ben, I had a question for you this week about our constants. The constants about us, those inherent characteristics that that maintain us as helping people. And I thought this was a really cool conversation. It's um we did it intentionally on the fly without a lot of prep. Uh and I thought that the organic kind of thought process to that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I liked, I really liked this conversation because, yeah, I just realized going into the conversation how much stress there really is in, in this work of like the kinds of, like when you care about people and you don't want them to hurt and you hear about their hurt, like it hurts. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, I, I really like this conversation. It gave me a lot of pause. Well, because I think we really got around intentionality, intentional about, you know, our why, our own personal whys, um, intentional about um, self-care and self-love. I've thought more about self-love, like how I actually nurture and love and care for myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to give it all away before we get into it. Um, I do want to note that we mentioned sort of offhandedly the Enneagram and Clifton Strengths, and those are two um, sort of personality models that we use as points of reference. I really like Clifton Strengths as as uh, a common language for characteristics, um, and the Enneagram is I'm an eight and Ben's a nine, and that is a really good <laughs> intro to us as people, anyway. So we left a couple of links in the show notes. Um, for, to reference that if that's not something familiar to you. All right, Ben. As we've gotten closer to working on this project and kind of doing those brainstorming sessions, we keep circling around this, this sense of the threads that tie us through our careers. Um, we've said this before. We're not brand new at this. Um, I wouldn't say that we're, you know, seasoned pre-retirees by any means either. And so what I'm wondering about today is what is that common thread for you? What is the, what's the constant and consistent value or resource or characteristic? What is it about just you, Ben, that, brought you to doing this work that keeps you in it and that you think will sustain you through your career or at least for a while? Mm-hmm. That's such a big question. Well, yeah, and I don't think there's any illusion that we came, we decided on this question together because that overarching kind of lifespan, I like it's long. Our lives and our careers are long. And they're also really short. And so, you know, it moves so fast that having something that we hold mm-hmm. on to, we have to. We have to have our feet on the ground because so much of what we do has our head in the sky. Yeah. I mean, just the, I mean, it really resonates when you say our careers are long and short. I mean, that I realized just this last week, like how long I've actually been in. It was kind of odd. Uh, it was kind of an odd thought, but I was thinking about how many hours have I actually been doing suicide assessments? <laughs> and I don't have a solid way of tracking that, but uh, <laughs> I was like doing the math and I thought easily hundreds of hours of the thousands of hours uh, that I've done done uh, therapy so i mean just yeah 
it's been, and so anyway, yeah, that number grows that, when we start to play, right? That brought me to the realization of, oh my God, okay, I've been doing this a while. And, uh, no, and that's, that's a great point because it's not just like the length. I've been a social worker for 11 years. Then when you really squeeze that, <laughs> ring that out into what actually comes out of it, and, yeah, a lot of hours of suicide assessment. Go on. <laughs> I mean, and, and I was also thinking, because I, I was thinking about, like, how many hours I've lived through tragic stories. And that was, like, oh, how, like, different kinds of tragic stories. Like, there's sexual abuse. There's emotional abuse. There's just tragic stories of loss and death and near death and all of that. So anyway, it got me to just thinking about and realizing, yes, this is really short. Um, Cause I feel like I still am just a novice ish. There's like, there are times at least when I'm going, you know what? I don't really know what I'm doing. What is it that I do? Um, while also going, you know, almost a decade in of licensure, it got me to thinking, wow, I've got a lot left in my career, but I also have been doing this a long time. So what's the constant that keeps me here? What brought me here? What keeps me here? What will keep me through a full career of this? Um, it's a really great question. Because, like, look at what you've already been through, both personally and professionally, to get here today. You know, that's not just... That's not just schooling, undergrad, graduate school, thousands of hours. Yeah, it's not just training. Of being trained. Or being told what to do. Right. A given a list of what to do and how to do it. Well, and that's the... I mean, let's be real. That's the first several years... Anyway, because you have to be supervised and watched constantly for a while. Right. Mm. I don't know. I don't have the words for it yet, but I'll explore this a little bit out loud. And, and unfortunately, that comes with a lot of context for me. So <laughs> um, don't hold it back. My, yeah, one of my, I, I would, Okay. Well, I don't know that I mean the teenage teenage part of me would say this is spirituality. Um but my definition of spirituality I think has has grown uh to include my intuition and my connection to all people. So not just my belief in a higher power and not just belief in like some specific religious stuff that transfers. So let me give more context. I think that says a lot about your like spiritual foundations that your intuition and your connection to humanity and the something bigger than you is, is something you've evolved into that isn't at that foundation level. That's interesting to me. I think that it's just gotten more honed because I believe I, I have always believed and felt pretty strongly in my heart that I'm connected to everyone else. Um, and I think, you know, I think the strengths finder assessment shows me that when it comes up that empathy is my first, um, damn it, Ben, I was going to try one. not to get into, personality theories while we talk about this. I was going to try not to, but you're opening the gate for me already. <laughs> well, I don't know that I can either because it gives me words. Like that, that strengths finder thing like helped me put words to what I'm good at. And, and also it shines some light on who I am as just Ben. And so connectedness to others and connectedness, empathy, uh, hope, I would say. 
and that's sort of like uh I would say not that that every moment that I'm hopeful and maybe it's just maybe it's a turning into a definition of faith or what I'm trying to express is faith mm, that combination of words those do kind of have an equation of faith right yeah inside of me I know that I can make a difference in the world and I can't make maybe I can't like be a great politician and and you know make change that way but I do know in my you know one on one um that's kind of where I shine and with all of that like I know that I'm connected to other people I'm dependent on how they're how they are and what's going on in their life um and I have faith that Faith has brought me through this far. Um, it brought me to the doorstep of the helping profession um, because I, you know, and getting back to some of the religious ideas, um, it was something very kind of heartwarming to me that, you know, I grew up Christian. Um, and I would say I still am, but I'm not very religious in terms of what I, you know, my religious practices or listening to sermons all the time, which just, oh, I, I have a hard time with sermons. Um, I guess particularly because I've been through so many hours of tragic stories and when I just hear about all these shoulds, I'm like, yeah, but anyway. Well, no, and Ben, not, other people don't because they don't live in the exceptions the way we right. do. Right. 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 We live the exceptions every day. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, and so I think, yeah, the, my, my faith has had to adapt and grow. But what's actually pretty interesting to me is that it never faded. Like, I was so, I am realizing now that I, I am connected to my faith um, just in humanity, that there's a bigger reason and a bigger meaning. And I think that that, I don't know exactly how to define that anymore. Uh, you know, my, my teenage self would say, you know, all of the Christian ideas, but as, as, it's, as I've grown, um, and developed as a person, I would say that, you know, there just is something. And I particularly... Oh, that's so incredible the way you describe it, though, that it had to grow and evolve with you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, like, it just makes... Because you have to make more room for everything that you're absorbing, right? Exactly, exactly. Like, how could, like... Just the phenomenon of me soaking up people's pain and then it becoming my own pain. Like, damn, this shit is like contagious. <laughs> and I mean, which just highlights exactly what I already knew was we're all connected. And either I can reject you completely and be disconnected or I can like learn from your experience, which to me, I was always the wiser of the two choices was to let people in, to learn from their experiences. And so that I don't have to go take all of those risks myself. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's just, I think that's a part of what's baked into me. Um, but my faith, I think like, so my faith brought me here because there's this like just core Christian idea that uh, we're meant for relationship. And even this idea of like, we're in relationship with ourselves, just like God is in relationship with himself and Christian church calls that the Trinity. And you know, even though it's like concretely very confusing, I think in a spiritual sense and in more of a subjective, like there are different versions of myself sense. I think that that's kind of poetic and beautiful. 
um, while also this sense of we sacrifice for others, like we we like that's just you know who God is um, is to create things while create things and people while also not leaving them to stew in their own shit. And there's, and so my, my faith, my, and I would say this sort of my, around my more relit, my religion, if I had to kind of say it that way, is that my God doesn't leave people in trauma, but goes to trauma to help. And it's, so it's very, social justice oriented. Um, and that's what has kept me here because it's, it's a bit, it's a connection to a bigger meaning than, and it's not my job to be a preacher. It's my job to be present. Um, it's not my job to explain to you how to live better. It's my job to help you find your way to, and whatever we find there is what we, try to heal or, or grow. And it's so it elusive. Is. Like just hearing you bring all of this down into, into words is an incredible process. Yeah. And I haven't really given a whole lot of, like, I didn't prepare this. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pulling strings together and, and it's all very genuine while also I'm a little, wor- I'm a little like, Oh God, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, thought this out and so I do think that it feels 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 very elusive to me as well and maybe even some poetic words that don't make a whole lot of concrete sense but it boils it all boils down to um this commitment inside of me that drives me to Be, to not leave people alone in in their pain. Well, because how can it be anything but an elusive sense of faith to <laughs> to be a strengthening thing to stand beside you and nudge you forward for this long and for you to believe in strongly enough To traverse forward too. Yeah. Like that can't be just one simple thing, I don't think. No. And we need to know it. And I don't know if we think about it on purpose enough. So talking through this and actually thinking about it and having some some difficulty with that, there's nothing wrong with that. Because this is what I think we miss about taking care of ourselves on purpose. We're thrown, <laughs> we're thrown true. the self-care menu without going mm-hmm. through, without intentionally walking through like a self-love process. Yeah. What do you, how do you show yourself love so that you can show yourself care? Right. Like I'm not just taking care of me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm babysitting. Right. I am like loving, growing, nurturing myself the same way that you're talking about loving, growing, nurturing your sense of faith and humanity. We have to match that process to keep yeah. up with it. Honestly, what I th- I, th- I think of my regret that I haven't thought more about this on purpose, um, because I mean you're absolutely right, and I th- I I have been committed in the last year specifically, but also on this journey for the last two years of understanding my impact on people, that I am a full human being with a whole context around him, a whole culture that comes, you know, along with him. Um, And I've got my strengths, I've got my weaknesses. And despite, you know, I'm an Enneagram nine, here you go for another uh, personality assessment. Um, or a concept, but you know, I naturally am able to see other people's perspectives while also keeping my opinion to myself. Um, and I I would say 
in general in my life, that's true. But when it comes to counseling, like I have carved out a space for myself to feel like that sense of authority that a number nine doesn't typically feel. And so um, I'm a, I, I know, so all that to say, I, I, I normally put myself aside for other people's points of view and caring for other people. And the last couple of years, like I re- have realized, you know, which is sort of a backwards way of, of seeing this was that I had to see that I was ignorantly assuming that I wasn't, I didn't have a more comprehensive impact on people. Yeah. That you're and a then part I re- of the process. Yeah. I'm a part of the process. And I always thought, you know, my training would be the thing that would help me, you know, stay objective, which is like, sure. Like, you come to this for faith, with faith, um, and that's the thing that brings you here, but you're, you're so objective that you'll be able to not impact people in ways that you don't have control over. So it makes a lot of sense to me now that I'm like, uh, duh, no, that's not how it, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little bit backwards. But it's, I mean, but it's also common, I think. I've come into that self-love idea um, with, okay, to care for other people, you have to, like, with, with some intensity, you have to love yourself and accept yourself and work on yourself. I mean, because the intensity of the pain that you're receiving is not going to go down. Yeah, and there's nothing professional about you that is going to handle that. There are no professional skills that you have for the emotional toll. Right. That goes back to just who you are. Right. The human part of you is always going to feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say if there's anything that I know keeps me here or brought me here and sustains me here, like that common thread is, I'd call it faith. I would call it faith. Which is a connection to, a connection to all things and all people um, that I can't explain but it does compel me forward to take some responsibility for the wellness of myself and others. Seems pretty motivating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's weird to put words to something that is just this feeling of force in your life that you, it's like an undercurrent. But I mean, that's, and I think I said this in the beginning, those things that keep our feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. It is an undercurrent. It's that like constant, you know, feeling of your toes in the sand or the feeling of that mm-hmm. water running just under the surface. Like we know it's there, unseen, untouched, unheard. Yeah. Because for me, it's different, but it's still, it's still in that el- elusive place. I'm so curious for your answer. Oh, to this question? Yeah. We do a special kind of work and it takes a special kind of person. And that deserves to be celebrated. And we designed this with a vision of creating a whole new community for those exact people. And so we are not only open to, but actively asking for more stories, more experiences, more connection. I mean, for me, it's fortunately or unfortunately, like my foundations are probably more negative because there's so much frustration that got twisted into my, into my career path. And I've always been a why questioner. 
uh, like since I was a child, it's like a running joke in my family that I just ask why, 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 sure. even when I always have, I never grew out of it. And so, and then I had these experiences of, I read a lot of books and I'm from, a, I'm from a really, really small isolated town. I was pretty sheltered as a child. Um, for me, it's almost more of a sense of a, of a rift of a, of this divide I had a, a sheltered and a pretty happy childhood. Um, my parents are amazing people, blah, blah, blah. But I was different from everyone I knew, and I knew that. And then I started, a, you know, I was absorbing a lot of books and, and TV, and the internet was coming alive, and I was definitely using that for my um, my little research needs as a teenager of what is the world outside of my 2000 people mm. town but answer that question of why of why and like, just get more explanation of the world when i mean it's like it's like a sad old country song like what's beyond my front porch like really was the feeling of what <laughs> this isn't it this isn't it and i can't i can't exist here forever it's it it felt like a like a hair shirt <laughs> or like I was being suffocated. Um, and so I knew, I knew the not this, but I didn't know what was on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel like this constant journey for me of stitching together, like <sighs> this valley in between where I, I feel like things should be and where they are. And people f- suffer horribly and there's no reason for it and making i can't make sense of that but i can help is the kind of the crossroads i can i got to because i'm it was it's go it it gets really dark it gets really dark when i start thinking about all the horrible things in the world and why are they like that and i'm not a religious person i wasn't raised religious i was a religious raised in a place that was very religious and i experimented with religions offered to me there and they didn't fit me. And I had some real spiritual crises around it at the ages that I'm choosing my path ahead. Yeah. I always knew I wanted to help people. I always knew that, well, my Enneagram is an eight. So I've always been a little bit of um, a bossy pants. Between Ben knows I don't like the word bossy. Because <laughs> you were called a bossy pants all the time. All the time. And you were so oppositional. Just stop uh, fucking asking why. <laughs> right, right. As if I didn't ask for it. But I'm also a little peeved that I didn't see any of the boys being called bossy. Well, give me a break. I don't think you were asking for anything except for answers. So curiosity not being valued. <laughs> like, well, and that's it. That is like, the one you. constant for me is, is a curiosity. Sometimes it's from a place of rage of why is it something so horrible? Right, right. And sometimes I'm just being nosy. I was also always the kid who was peeping in people's medicine cabinets. So I'm just nosy. I like <laughs> knowing how what makes people yeah. tick. I was an only child until very late in the game. And so I think I'm just curious about other people. I know sure. what's in here. I've lived in my own imaginary world. I entertained myself. I, I know me. But other people are the enigma. Other people are the question mark. And how do we do this? You've always loved reading, too. Well, yeah, because those are my first samples, not only of... Life outside small town Oklahoma. Yeah, lives that happened outside of what I'm used to. But also, what happens if you strip down all of the rules? I can make a world that doesn't have any of this. And then what do people do? How mm-hmm. would they operate? What would that be like? The yeah. constant experiment and questioning and curiosity. Curiosity is the one thing that motivates me when nothing else will. Mm-hmm. I just know that anyway. If I want an answer to a question, that will get me off my ass. Mm. How is curiosity, how is that linked to what brought you to this work and what has kept you in this work because like you've you've talked about the darkness that you've experienced with all of the suffering that you've 
listened to and you've experienced with people in the moment. Like for me, there's this like unsaid, un, unsaid, unexpressed pain that sits with me in sessions that may not, like I may not have been there when it happened, but I'm there while it's happening to that person in the moment. And to me, that's just the pre-verbal pain transferred over time. Like we are, t we are time traveling in that moment and we're stuck in time back there with that person. And so even though I may not have been there for the abuse itself, I am bearing witness to the experience of that in the moment in a very sanctuary, safe place that we have developed with, you know, with our client. And so, like, anyway, this whole idea of like, how is how is curiosity motivated you to even go through that kind of pain with people? Well, because it's it's that combined with that, like that differentness, and I've. I've always been fascinated with people's obsession with normal because I just never was. I'm not normal. <laughs> I already know that. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm average and I'm privileged in a lot of ways, but I don't consider myself normal because I don't, I don't believe that that word has value. Um, and I don't believe that that word has an actual definition when we're talking about people. Mm -hmm. I, and I know that now. And what led me here was, and that's what I mean about that stitching together. I understand now that I just don't believe that that exists. I think that there are a whole lot of people that rat race through our busy culture and let that push them through without ever slowing down to consider the, the, the deep and rich authenticity that we can have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the race for normal is about, is more about avoiding. Mm. I don't want to avoid I want to know the whole thing. I assume I get one shot. I want to see and know and understand as much of this as I can. And I don't think it's fair that people who are clued in to the value of abnormal tend to be treated poorly. Mm -hmm. And that wrongness, what I see as a wrongness, yeah. is also very motivating to me. And I am motivated from a very angry and fiery place. Mm -hmm. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm an eight. I'm an INTP. <laughs> I'm a lot of things. And I'm pissed. I'm pissed a lot. And so, like, just... Yeah. It's off, and it's not right. Why? Why is it not right? Why are these people treated this way and those people are treated that way? Mm-hmm. And stories tend to answer most of my questions. And so I found right. a way to ask people to tell me their stories mm -hmm. and to be gracious with them, to appreciate the story and to sit still through it. Yeah. And for that unspoken pain to sit in the room and for me to have enough strength to not cringe at your pain. Most of us cringe away from everyone else's pain. And I think you were talking mm -hmm. about it earlier that we won't. We, I mean, of course we do. That, that disgust instinct is evolutionarily necessary, but we've trained ourselves yeah. away from it because we know the value of going toward the fire. I, uh, the ways that you were just describing, like how you sit through uh, that pain like you were describing how you, you know, what you do when you get to that pain, but not necessarily what your goal is. And because I don't want to, I want to make sure that people understand, because uh, I had that thought was like, oh, so is your curiosity and you wanted to learn stories that morphed into wanting to skit, stitch what was or what is to what could be in these people's lives. And 
It was sort of, it was just like, I don't know, for me. And to stitch it over this fucking gap that's made in what we're supposed to be. What is that space? Let's stitch well, that closed. I think that's more, maybe more a general, a general thing. But I think, I mean, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're with that one person in that moment of pain, hearing the details of stories and the struggles that they have in life to even move forward to the next day, that like the anger of the situation in, in our society is what's motivating you with a passion to fight this fight, to run toward the, the fire and try to put it out. And that being specifically being there with them and not cringing and not and looking them in the eye and saying you are valuable just by your presence. And that in itself is stitching them together to show them that they have value. And to me, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a beautiful motivation to be with that person in that moment and to make that change in the world. And I know we've talked about this before, maybe not on any episodes yet, but just like that idea of the ripple effect that we've got in people's lives mm -hmm. that we don't typically think about, um, but we can't, we can't say it's not there. No, because it, because I think I've described like this before, but like, you know, that house of mirrors sensation when it just like ripples out and you can see like a hundred copies of yourself, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, I, I really think that when I start to consider those concentric, well, not even concentric circles, because each one has another plot, like drop point. Sure. And it's, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge web of... Of connection and, and reverberation. Yeah, and yeah. energy. And hopefully, mostly positive energy, right? Right. Or at least healing energy. That's not always entirely positive, I guess. Right. But yeah, I mean, water is cleansing. It's purifying. And I, I think maybe part of what makes me different is that fire is also cleansing and purifying. And mm -hmm. that is more my mode. Sure. And I think sure. a lot of people go with with water to clean. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> sure. tidier. <laughs> sure. Well, I think, I mean, it, it is, I think that's kind of culturally, that's, it's got some cultural connotations with it too. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's kind of, I mean, water can be destructive and so can fire. You know, if we think of like, oh, the like Zen nature of water. All that cool, yeah, but what about a hurricane and flooding? Yeah, and so, no, I think it can be both because I think I would probably, I'm a, I'm a Aquarius, no? Where, what is that? That's the oh, fish, right? Pisces. Pisces, okay, thank you, not Aquarius. I don't See, we can say that this stuff doesn't matter, but can we just read these by textbook, please? After what we've gone through here, because it starts literally a line. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So I was thinking fish and because that's a Pisces. Yeah. And then I was like, aqua? Aquarius? Okay. Whatever. Anyway, you can tell how much I'm really into uh, my sign. But okay, I'm a water sign. I'm a water sign. If I apply that water and my traits to other people i'm like okay i think i can drown some people in like feelings and intensity of of the moment and i've gone through that and i felt like oh probably should back off on that a little that was intense and i think you for this waterboarding for, <laughs> i think no nah, not waterboarding but just a, like a like a out. really like solid slow push into the water and oh you're ready to come up no 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 so it's like more like drowning like slowly mm. 
anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to make you think you're drowning. Yeah. Like, anyways, I can be overwhelming with, with my stuff. I think you can also be overwhelming with some of the intensity and anger you bring. Well, because we have to have respect for what we're talking about here. These, if these things are so big that they drive us every day regardless, if it's what I lean on on the days that I just like want to hide under the covers, then I have to have respect for how, how out of control that probably can be at its worst, too. Mm-hmm. It, has a, it has a shadow side. Yeah, it, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, like your traits, your traits, we've also talked about like, like we are very, very pretty different people and very similar people. Mm-hmm. And where I'm, I'm more relational and emotional and you're more logical and intelligent. I wouldn't oversell it, but thanks. Well, Okay, I'll let me say how what I think, and then you can say what you think. Sure. Um, but anyways, we we do come together with a lot of different things, but we just like kind of arrived at this moment and from different paths. And yeah, like how do you think this? Like, okay, so mine was faith and yours, uh, the two words that seemed to, the two words that really resonated with me were curiosity and differences. Yeah. Or this, that rift that you were talking about. Um, yeah, because there's something about injustice too in there. Yeah. Right? In that rift space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? So mine's faith and I, yeah, mine's faith and yours is curiosity, injustice, difference, like valuing differences. Um, how do you think yours impacts like why we're doing what we're doing now with this podcast of being the work? Well, I mean, there's been this guy, it's almost, I was going to say it's almost embarrassing and then that feels like selling myself short because I think we I think we spent a lot of years doing our best and using the tools that are most common and that are that are lent to us, right? And so I came to this crossroads last year where I had I had permitted that method um of just kind of taking my medicine and and keep going in terms of medicine being self-care. I mean, yeah. Like it was, it was up to you to get to a healthy place by all of the things that you could be doing. Yeah. I mean, I would spend my lunch break, like trying to make myself sign up for a yoga class instead of just, you know, actually refreshing over the lunch break. I barely got right. It was like self-care became another task to do. It did. It, it added another task to my list and my list was overwhelming. And I had done that for literally 10 years of keeping me and my work as two separate things, mm-hmm. of leaving work at work, of I come here, I, I do everything I can to help who I can. And then I chop that off. I drive home. I turn on a podcast so that I can disconnect from that and leave it there. And... I found last year that that wasn't good enough anymore. I was I was in a very bad place. I was very miserable. I was very burned out. And if curiosity is what always drives me forward, and I was under the ego illusion that my method of handling things was was fine and I was going to be able to avoid burnout, I found out that was wrong. And so through some healing myself, after having to leave a position that I loved, but that I was afraid I was going to not be very good at anymore if I kept at the pace I was keeping at, Mm -hmm. I grew even more curious how everyone else is doing it. Yeah. We are not, we are not normal people. (laughs) I assume most of us are not. As therapists. Normal. We're not normal people. Right. You and me are not. 
I don't think most of us in general as therapists are. Well, I think I think for me, like I I do feel quite beige, <laughs> um, which makes me feel normal. Um, but I also have like all of the, you know, every intersection of privilege I have. Um and so like it's easy to blend in, I think is where I'm going with that. It's very easy to blend in and to make life easy on myself. Well, while being very inauthentic. Um, because I think when I'm being authentic, I am feel I'm feeling different than what is typically normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I'm a very feeling human. I'm very sensitive to, I'm a sensitive person myself, but I'm also just attuned and aware of, of things around me. And so I think like in culturally, culturally acceptable ways, men, white men can be like a detective, but not necessarily like you know, and a detective is attuned to their environment, picking up little clues to solve a problem where for me, I'm just kind of tapped into this like sense of feeling around me. Um, And so I I think I came to it to really wanting to tell my story as, as a therapist. And I think kind of in, in your words, stitching together like okay like i see that there's this big problem in our our the culture of our our um our workforce that sell like caring for ourselves has to be an individual thing and you know where we really aren't in competition with one another but the system really helps us feel that way. Sure. The um, resources never meet the need. And so, right. So there we're can always be nothing but conflict and competition that comes from yeah. that dynamic. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I got to this point where I knew, I knew on individual basis, several other people weren't doing well either. Sure. In my environment and in, uh, in other working environments. And so that clue led me to wonder, okay, so if I know that therapists, a handful of them that I know aren't doing great, we're in the middle of COVID conditions and I can, I don't really even have to watch the news to know that the general public is not doing super well. I see cultural problems that have existed already building more and more and more chaos and pressure around them to change. And so in a very real way, it got so big that I was like, therapists aren't being taken care of in a way that probably works. Right. And it's not my job to do so. I don't know that there's anyone, there's no authoritative role to to care for us. We do have to do it. But the thing we're getting wrong is that it's not just me taking care of me and you taking care of you. Right. That's not working. And for, uh, you know, we're trained. I mean, I mean, the, the beginnings of our, uh, at least therapy work, and the standards that were held in that work were all based on this kind of psychoanalysis kind of thing where we're not, we're not a full human being. And we're not bringing, like, if we bring our own, our own selves to the session, then we're overstepping our bounds. and. You know, that's a huge, that's a big conversation in itself, but I can't, I don't think that we can deny that fact that there was this like very strong undercurrent of, you know, make this a medical model kind of, kind of situation where I as an expert can analyze you and fix you like I would a bone if, if I were a doctor trying to set a bone and you know, so it, it, we've gaslit ourselves for so long that we expect ourselves to not be full humans. Um, 
And so this whole like idea of like crossing boundaries is huge, which I understand, but I do think that we're thinking of this in all or nothing terms. Exactly. And we are supposed to be the people who know better. Nothing is all or nothing. (laughs) Okay. Isn't that an all or nothing statement? Mm, It's the only one that counts. And I mean, I honestly, I am a pretty logical person. And so I felt that emotional separateness. I felt the isol. I felt the discomfort of the isolation. And honestly, I knew that because that was uncomfortable to me that I had to pay attention to it because I'm not uncomfortable alone. Like most of the time I'm, I am independent, but the feeling of being independent as opposed to being isolated is vastly different. We know that. Right. Right. And I found myself feeling incredibly isolated and therefore knew that other people had to feel that way too. And the best answers to most of my personal and professional needs is to go and ask a therapist. So why don't we all just talk to each other about it? Yeah, I think we're our best resource for understanding uh, us as humans. And I think we are our best resource to find a community that we we can just resonate with. Like... We have a unique experience of of the world, and we see kind of behind the curtain about about a lot of things. And so, um, building relationships with one another, I think, is is a huge passion of mine right now. Um, that we could that I've got faith that we could do this work well and connected rather than feeling isolated. So, well, and I already feel that I've already sought out that sense of my own authenticity and sought out the connections, the actual connections that I need, not just the ones that are next door, not just the ones like I had to seek it out because I'm operating at home. I had to think about it harder than I have before. For sure. Yeah. And do so intentionally. And I've, I've gotten more from those connections because I've been intentional. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I think this is like a big, like, welcome to doing, doing and being the work. Thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation about what brought us and what sustains us in this work. We would love to know what brought you and what sustains you in this work. Please reach out to us. We're on Instagram, at beingthework. Send us an email, beingthework at gmail.com. 